A hello, a greeting of sorts for the Making Kayfabe podcast. Isn't that nice? Yes. Yes. Apparently, this podcast of sorts rebook wrestling's biggest mistakes, such as anytime Danhausen loses. Maybe they could rebook Danhausen not being number one in Pro Wrestling Illustrated's top 500. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Anyways, Danhausen is here to tell you to maybe check this out when uh, it is available. They can fix all of the Danhausen's errors, not on Danhausen's own part, that were just caused to him. And yes, Danhausen is just here to tell you of a very nice, very evil time. And, ah, uh, yes, most important, love that Danhausen. Hey, guess what? It's time for making kayfabe with your host, Bryson Dillon. Hello, 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 kayfabers. It's Bryce and Dylan here, your good buddies, and we are here to make a little kayfabe. Every week, we take a glorified missed opportunity in wrestling and rebook it to make it not that way. And boy, do I have a glorified missed opportunity for you all this week. Hey, Dylan, how's it going? It's going very well. Thank you very much for asking. You're so sweet. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to. I'm glad to hear that. That's fantastic. So, like, full, c- cards on the table. I, I wasn't originally planning to do this episode this week. Th- this week, I was planning on covering an icon and a legend in the business of pro wrestling. Uh, Dylan, you know who that is. Mm-hmm. Those of you listening will find out who that is in two weeks. But I simply couldn't avoid writing this episode up due to very recent events. See. I was all, I was always planning on doing a, a rebooking of Otis Dozovich after winning Money in the Bank because WWE they they kind of treated him like a joke and and while he is like a comedy esque character, uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase shouldn't be a comedy prop. It's something that should make superstars. So so my idea was to suggest that while Otis has the contract. Here are some ways that you can book him as a legitimate threat so that when his championship match comes for the Universal or WWE Championship or whatever it is, he could be ready. But then to my horror, a couple of weeks ago now, Otis lost the Money in the Bank briefcase to the fucking Miz. Now, Dylan, famously, mm-hmm. famously between you and I, you fucking hate the Miz. Yes. He's like I... your least favourite wrestler of all time, right? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I re- well, it's tricky nowadays because I think Joey Janela is a worse wrestler than The Miz. Oh my god, Joey Janela, that's a new one for me, really? Yeah, oh god, yeah, he's terrible. And I did. I really didn't think that anybody would be considered worse than The Miz in my eyes, but yet, <laughs> Joey Janela, he's catching up, man, he is not good. But uh, <laughs> to keep it on track, yes... My my dislike for The Miz is semi-legendary amongst our group of friends because I think he's terrible. And uh, like a couple of years ago, he did a promo on like Talking Smack and everybody was like, whoa, look at that impassioned um, promo by The Miz. That's really this good. This is the one they, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. You remember this, right? I love that promo. <laughs> right, right about then, the tide turned. People used to hate The Miz too because he was useless. And then mm. that promo happened. And like a wee of people, so many people were like, well, The Miz is great. And I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa wait. <laughs> Slow down there. <laughs> Cutting one promo after being in that, in that company for 10 years. After headlining WrestleMania. Right. You would expect him to have been able to cut a good promo years before this. This is in like 2016. So he'd been in the company for 10 years. And they were like, wow, he's great. I'm like, you think that's great? <laughs> We've had to see this guy been pushed down our throats for 10 years and he's not been good. And suddenly he gets one promo and, he's, and, and everything's changed. I don't think so. Like, what it, the was fuck? A, 
it was a very good promo. Right. And, like, and, and it, the guy the guy clearly has charisma. I, I still I agree with you in a sense that he's not I couldn't like tell you my favourite Miz match. Like, and I've probably watched hundreds, but I, I can't think of any match involving the Miz that I've enjoyed. But his promo ability is, is very good, and like that's a, a major part of what makes a superstar. Right, but like that's what I mean. You said you've watched hundreds of Miz matches, right? Because they keep pushing him. They put they put him on TV even when he sucked. They put him on TV even when he was just not, you know, anywhere close to being good. Right? They always people complain about John Cena or Roman Reigns getting a push. Those guys were good. They were really good at what they did. Yeah. The Miz had exactly the same push that he didn't approve for a fucking long ass time, and they mm. kept pushing. And they were like, no, the Miz, because they wanted a homegrown fucking superstar, and everybody fell for it. They were like, that's our guy, the Miz. Do you remember? Do you remember when they tried to make him Ric Flair? When yeah, they, and he did that gave shitty looking leg figure lock, four. When he was a face, and he's like, he's just like the guy's not a face. <laughs> he's the, he's so naturally detestable. Which he's is not. A good thing, he's I guess, not a, well, here's the thing: he's not a heel either because he shouldn't be a wrestler. He, he's the kind of guy who could be a great bank manager. Like, <laughs> Fuck this guy. He could manage the hell out of a bank because he's such an asshole. He'd make that company a lot of money, right? But instead, he decided to be a wrestler, and nobody <laughs> buys it because he doesn't look like a wrestler. He looks like me. I look like you. Know, if you put me and the Miz beside each other in trucks, you'd be like, I don't know which one's a wrestler. Neither of them. <laughs> Just stay at both of them, right? <laughs> I don't so, like the Miz. <laughs> so Otis, I like. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really watch a whole lot of WWE these days. Like, um, g- generally for me, for like main roster WWE, it's like, it is like, um. Like exactly how I found out about the Mizzy's promo. It's like clips on Reddit or like or, or social media or something. That's how I know current day WWE mostly. I will watch pay per views. I watch like the occasional Raw, but generally I'm I'm kind of like AW NXT these days. NXT, which is WWE, but you know it's not really. In regards to NXT, uh, I watched that. I was dedicated to that like specifically a couple of years back when Otis was there, and, and I just really enjoyed the guy. I thought he was different. He stood out. He had that kind of certain charisma you don't see very often. Like the fans just kind of gravitated towards him, you know. And like he always had, he also had a a really interesting look as well. Like he's basically built like a fridge, like a wrecking ball, like whatever yeah. you want. Like which is like a big plus too, because you don't want a a roster of dudes who look exactly the same. And I did just a just a sidebar on that as well. I was listening to the to the Brian and Vinny show a few weeks ago and Vinny was talking about a girl called uh, Layla Hirsch who was recently uh, she was on AEW Dynamite. Um, I think she was fighting not Hikaru Shida, uh, Serena Deep. And like Hirsch is she she's really short. Like she's a lot shorter than you'd expect maybe and like a damn fine wrestler uh, as well by the way but she kind of stands out because she's so short she's maybe like the height of the top rope basically but Vinny, Vinny kind of compared it to like he also saw uh, an advertisement for Raw that day which featured six tall tanned blonde women who you know who look exactly the same you know so you, you need different uh, in regards to like Otis look, looking different and being that kind of like different body shape that you don't normally see in WWE otherwise you'd have like 50 indistinguishable like Randy Orton's walking around WWE but yeah a- anyway I-, I digress Sh- should I catch everyone up on Otis's uh, history should we go into this yeah dude I'm really interested man I like him too I like the tag team I don't know why the fuck they split them up Oh, I remember why, because it's the WWE and they fuck everything up, man. They were a great tag team, and at the moment, they need more tag teams. And they're like, no, fucking break them up for no reason. 
yeah, literally put them in different brands and then do the heel turn and then like, uh, well, I've got I've got something to say on that in a little bit about where that kind of went um, at, at the recording of this episode anyway. So I'll, I'll do a little catch up and notice just to get a little bit of history in there. So Otis made his in-ring debut in 2015 after being trained by the Mercury Pro Wrestling Academy. Quick note, uh, debut to Money in the Bank victory in five years. Pretty damn impressive. He would go by the name Dozer on the independent circuit before being recruited for a WWE tryout by Jerry Briscoe in 2016. He actually made a, a brief appearance on WWE's Breaking Ground docuseries, uh, which focuses on like up-and-coming wrestlers and the Performance Center. It was episode two, to be exact. What Basically what happened on it was he completely like flubbed a promo in front of uh, William Regal and Robbie Brookside in his WWE tryout, but then redeemed himself by doing the worm. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> as you'd expect you know yeah. it's, a, it's a fairly common tactic like you know the, the, the amount of times I've warned myself out of situations man like shit like <laughs> I've seen you do the worm it is spectacular oh it's pretty impressive like and uh, yeah no matter what happens before all you remember is the worm so oh yeah, yeah. But later that year, he formed a tag team with Ducky, Tucker Knight, who, uh, as a tag team, went under the name Heavy Machinery. They entered the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, where they got eliminated immediately by um, Austin Aries and Roderick Strong. For a while, they were just kind of there in NXT, not really doing many things of note. Uh, in 2017, they had a, a brief feud with the Offers of Pain um, over the NXT Tag Team Championship, but they didn't win. And later that year, they also had a feud with Society, again, over the Tag Team Championships, but they didn't win that either. Uh, interestingly, though, they, they did start to become more and more popular as time went on, um, partly, probably mainly due to Otis's charisma, like, nothing against Tucky, but Otis was clearly the, the Shawn Michaels of that team, which is very weird to say, because he's nothing like Shawn Michaels, but anyway, but yeah. Um, you know, he had bags of charisma and the fans loved seeing him week after week. And then in 2017, Pro Wrestling Illustrated named Otis Dozovich as the Rookie of the Year. Um, so clearly saw big things for him. They, they would continue being a somewhat background tag team at XT for another two years, appearing on TV every now and then. Uh, one thing of note, Otis actually had a televised singles match against Tommaso Ciampa in September 2018 until 2019, where they were called up to the main roster, where they basically continued being a somewhat background tag team. They, they just competed in, like, multi-man kind of tag team matches in SmackDown for a long time. But yeah, always his charisma. It kept the fans coming back for more and 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 the pops he got when he was coming out got bigger and bigger. Then the Mandy Rose storyline happens before it's having a, a big old crush on Mandy Rose. Not that anyone can blame him. It's recent history now that on the, the Valentine's Day edition of SmackDown, uh, February 14th, 2020, Otis had a date schedule with Mandy Rose, but dirty bastard Dolph Ziggler got in there first. It was, of course, later revealed that Mandy's best friend, Sonya Deville, was working with Ziggler to set him up with Mandy, because that's what best friends do. It led to a match between Otis and Ziggler at WrestleMania 36 in front of a, a packed crowd of zero, where Otis won and got a big snog from Mandy Rose after the match. Well done, son. In May, uh, at Money in the Bank 2020, Otis would win the Money in the Bank match. Uh, this was the one that 
the one that was held within the WWE headquarters in Connecticut, literally inside the office, and then had the, the, the ring on the roof of the building. Nearing the end of the match, AJ Styles and Baron Corbin were fighting for the briefcase at the top of the ladder. Corbin would be hit in the back with a guitar, hello Elias, causing him to bump into Styles, who fumbled the briefcase and dropped it into the hands of our beloved Otis. Otis is Mr. Money in the Bank. Then Otis would do not much. Like, he literally did fuck all, of note, for the longest time. In September, he, he and Tucky started a feud with Miz, your man, and John Morrison. Uh, in fact, what do you think of John Morrison's sort of interest? I fucking love John Morrison. I'm so annoyed that they paired him with The Miz. <laughs> John Morrison is so good. Like, this is what blows my mind, dude. If you look at John Morrison, right... Fucking ripped the shit. He's yeah. a great. He, he he's a great heel right there. That guy like is really athletic. He moves around the ring like nobody else. You watch him wrestle, right? Nobody moves around the ring the way John Morrison does, right? Mm. Why would Why would you look at him and then at the Miz and go, the Miz is our guy? Yeah. <laughs> like Jesus Christ, man. That's oh. You watching a tag team match with John Morrison, the most must mean the most frustrating thing in the world for you. <laughs> someone you actually enjoy and someone you actively hate. But that's the thing. It gets to the point now where I'm like, I didn't mind the fact that the Miz won the Money in the Bank briefcase because it meant that John Morrison is going to be on TV more because he's always around the Miz. You got to look at the bright side of life. You know what I mean? Exactly. It could be something good in the future for Morrison as well. Maybe he'll win the briefcase or something. But That's what hey. I really want to happen. Is that what happens in your story? No, it's not. So Miz and Morrison initially stole uh, Otis's Money in the Bank briefcase before it was revealed that the contract wasn't actually inside the briefcase. It was in Otis's lunchbox. They had a, a mini storyline going on where Otis was taken to court by Miz and Morrison, which was kind of dumb. And it led to a match at Hell in the Cell on October 25th, 2020, um, which at the time of recording was last week. This is where Otis lost his Money in the Bank briefcase to the Miz in a seven-minute-long match where Otis's tag team partner, Tucker Knight, turned heel and cost him the match. Later that week, or this week, uh, it's really hard to um, talk about this because the episode's going to go out in two weeks' time, but l- later this week, to show you um, exactly what big plans WWE had for Tucker Knight following the big heel turn, he never appeared or was mentioned on Raw and job to Humberto Carrillo on main event, uh, WWE's B-Show. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> WWE. Dave Meltzer in the November 2nd, 2020 Wrestling Observer newsletter, he would comment on the briefcase change and and generally Otis's position on the roster, writing, the reality is that the briefcase on Otis had a booking problem. It's okay for a heel to be embarrassed to blow the nearly automatic title win or a face like John Cena who is established. But Otis failing, especially with Reigns as champion, does him no good. And while he could beat Reigns and they could make a star... Nothing to do right now indicates that direction. And in a sense, he's right. Like They could have made a star out of Otis, but they, they barely gave him a shot, dropping him like a bad habit, basically, uh, as soon as he won the biggest match of his career. Notice is a... Uh, so now, now he's no longer money in the bank briefcase holder and six months of what could have been used for sensible storytelling and building his character up uh, have been wasted. And uh, that annoyed me, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna rebook Otis post Money in the Bank win. Like, do, do you want to say anything about Otis before I go into the whole rebooking? No, I'm looking forward to this, man. Like I said, I I do like him. I think he, yeah, you're right. He has a lot of charisma. You know, he's he's fun to watch. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think they kind of did a disservice to him by not doing anything with him like this. So I'd be interested to see what you've got planned for him. 
All right, so here we go. This this is how I would book Otis Dozovic and make him a legitimate threat for our WWE Championship match. So straight up, I'm not going to change anything about how Otis won Money in the Bank. It's a very kind of like low TNA thing for the briefcase to literally fall into his hands, but we'll roll with it. It's a comedy moment, and at the time, he was a purely comedy character that the fans were getting behind, and uh, it serves as a good start for my story anyway. So as it stands, Otis has just won Money in the Bank. On the next SmackDown, doubt starts to rise about Otis's ability, so... Everyone knows exactly how he won Money in the Bank. As mentioned earlier, it was AJ Styles and uh, Baron Corbin fighting in the top of the ladder where the briefcase kind of just fell into the arms of Otis. So essentially it was a fluke. Uh, Of course, Otis still had to be in the right place at the right time. He still had to fight up WWE headquarters to get there. But it's pretty clear to everybody that he wasn't likely to win that match. So yeah, total fluke. It's kind of the the, kind of... um, the sense, the, the sense of what's going on. So, so to kick things off, what I'd have, what what I'd do is have Otis take on everybody in the Money in the Bank match. So one on one, every one of them. So that's your AJ Styles, that's Alistair Black, that's Daniel Bryan, it's King Corbin, and it's Rey Mysterio. It's a six six way match. So you have you can have all of these matches on weekly television, the one on one matches week after week, and you're going to make them hard fought bouts, but. Otis is going to lose clean in every damn one of them. Basically proving that the Otis comedy character just isn't in the same league as these guys. Like I say, you make them look good and you don't make them like complete squashes, like a two-minute squash or whatever. But the point you're trying to get across is uh, it's a complete stroke of luck that Otis ended up with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Like He's won it, but now he's like immediately on a five-match losing streak. So I know what you're thinking, like, Send him on a losing streak. Great idea, Bryce. He'll be a main eventer in no time. Bear with me, because th- there's a method to this madness. So here's the here's the question that needs answering. Like, how do you turn comedy Otis into legitimate threat Otis? Because in his current character, like, he's not going to be a credible threat for any champion. Could you imagine like comedy Otis like putting up a legitimate fight or or being involved in a compelling feud with someone like Braun Strowman or heel Roman Reigns right now when he's when he's fighting the Usos like I can't like he's he's basically his character at the moment as much as I hate to say it his character at the moment is a ball head away from becoming one of those geeks uh, chasing the twenty four seven title um, and yeah. the way he's going so yeah we need to like. If, if do you agree with that sentiment like, totally like yeah. once you said that i'm like oh, that's exactly what's gonna happen to that guy yeah literally like i wouldn't be surprised if by the time this episode is released he is chasing <laughs> around the 24 7 championship it'd be, quite, it'd be quite funny if it was actually but we'll see we're recording this on november 2nd and this is going to be released on november 10th so like we'll see we'll see kind of what happens between this time we're recording and uh, the actual episode launch but hey we need to legitimize otis dozovich because Otis, he needs help. He needs big help. Like the guy's got the money in the bank briefcase at the moment in my storyline. Back back into my storyline, sorry. And yeah, he's not even a year into his WWE main roster career. He's now on you know a pretty damning losing streak after losing to those five guys he was in the match with. Like he's way out of his depth. So what do we do about that? So here's what I've got in mind. One thing I want to highlight here, and one thing I'm genuinely surprised WWE have done such a poor job of highlighting, is that Otis is legitimate. Like, like legitimately legitimate. Like, 
uh, out of interest, though, do you know what Otis was doing before pro wrestling? Uh, he was a lumberjack. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a lumberjack. No, and I mean, you can see, see him being a lumberjack, though. That makes sense, right? Yeah, he's got big arms. Like, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, like, yeah I suppose you could you could see that. Would get him get the kind of um, the flannel on, but. No, like, and I'm not surprised you don't know because WWE have done such a poor job of highlighting it. So, Otis Dozovich was a Greco-Roman amateur wrestler, an accomplished one. Like, shimmer me here. Listen, listen to this. Two-time USA Wrestling Cadet All-American, 2007 FILA Cadet Greco-Roman National Champion, three-time USA Wrestling Junior All-American, 2009 USA Wrestling Junior Greco-Roman National Champion, 2010 Wisconsin State Champion, undefeated 48-0 senior record. 2010 ranked number 13 in Wrestling USA Magazine's Best High School Wrestlers, Superior High School's All-Time Leader in Wins, 135 wins. <laughs> 2014 Team USA Greco-Roman roster member. 2014 bronze medal at the Pan American Games in Mexico. At one time, he was even a prospect for the 2012 Olympics. He was actually inside a legitimate Olympic training centre. So, you know, he learned from the best. It was the real fucking deal. It is the real fucking deal. Like, why has this never been mentioned? Why is this never mentioned? Why, why is he a comedy character? Like, can, can you imagine like Brock Lesnar being burdened with a comedy gimmick that Otis had, like, or, or Ken Shamrock? Like, it's it's unbelievable. And like, that just, is kind of that is crazy that you just listed off that entire like yeah you know, list of attributes. I'm like, holy shit, dude! Like, that guy can actually wrestle. Like, let's see that fucking stuff. Like, you know, it's good that as a comedy character he can show off his you know, his own personality, but also, like, this is wrestling. Let's see that fucking guy wrestle, you know? Exactly. Like, he's doing the... Like, he's doing this, the Caterpillar move. He's doing, like, elbow drops. Like, why the fuck isn't he on the, the mat and, like, doing amateur shit? But, hey, like, it basically, the fact that he is so accomplished in amateur wrestling makes sense, too, because the guy is a fucking fridge. Like, <laughs> you, you can look it up online, actually. There, there's videos of him out there dominating in amateur wrestling tournaments in the 120-kilogram weight class, which... By the way, that that weight class for a guy of his height is terrifying to me. Like he's he's five foot seven and one hundred and twenty kilograms. I'm six foot four and one hundred kilograms. So like that's uh, that's insane to me. But yeah, like under his real name, Nico Bogojevic, he was fucking dominating. And it's completely bizarre to me that the WDB have done fuck all of that. You know, they've got a legitimate badass athlete, and and they're not portraying him as a legitimate badass athlete. He's a comedy character. Like what's with that? So, yeah, it's crazy. Like, so n- now I'm gonna I'm gonna reach a bit here, but I-, I feel like what I'm about to suggest is something that was completely within WWE's power to do, and like something that could immediately help legitimize a, a complete mo- makeover for Dozovich. So, what I've got planned is you, you call upon a-, a WWE Hall of Famer to manage Otis to to be his guide to the top. You, you pair him with a guy who's won WWE championships, has, he's played that legitimate role in professional wrestling and uh, who also happens to have an exceedingly strong amateur background too. Um, in fact, he won a gold medal with a broken neck. You bring in Kurt freaking Angle as his manager. And that, that might seem like an oddball pairing, but if, if WDB sucked to it, like they could make it work. And, and I'll, I'll go into how you do that. But there, there have been plenty of oddball pairings in the past who, that have worked fine. You know, Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan was an oddball pairing. Bill Alfonso and your boy Taz, maybe. Like, Armando Estrada and, and Umaga. Like, 
the, the list goes on. So that's what we're going to do. Kurt Angle is going to manage Otis Dozovic, and it's going to make sense. So, so the first thing Kurt does is a full dressing down of his new project. So he notices immediately that, that Otis is not playing to his strengths. Like, where's his ground game? You know, he's a Greco-Roman amateur wrestler. The, the Caterpillar movies does, the, the elbow drops, the, you know, the, the gyrating he does in the ring. Like that, that's not his strength. Like, Greco-Roman wrestling is his strength. He's damn good at it in real life, which in a wrestling sense, means that he's going to have the natural ability to make it look legitimate as well. So, like, think, like, Kurt Angle in his early days in WWE or, like, Ronda Rousey or Jack Swagger. Like, all three came from, like, legitimate sporting backgrounds, be it wrestling or MMA. And and, and what they do or, or does in the ring looked real. Like, this is, this is what we're going to mould Otis into. So we're going to get Otis out of the ring for a while. You know, he's not going to be appearing in front of a live audience until he's ready. So he starts showing weekly training videos. I'm talking like a 60 second clips of Otis just being a straight up scary, um, you know, straight up scary amateur wrestler with, with Kurt Angle in the background kind of looking on. He'll be dominating guys of all sizes, like getting them in MMA style submission holds and like having them like scream in pain, etc. Like it's in, this is pro wrestling and there's more things legal than amateur wrestling have him use his amateur amateur game to get his points on the ground and then you can use these kind of big ham fists like to clobber into the knockout you know like he's got huge arms the guy like you just look at him he's, he's a big dude so you basically got to hype up this new side of Otis Dozovich it's it's going to be tough to fight off the old stigma of the like the hick comedy character of low intelligence you know but if you condition the audience properly anything is possible so like you can do this for weeks you can do it for months if you want as long as it's consistent every week you know raw and smackdown and, and you're familiarizing the audience with who otis is now you know not who he was it's who otis is now Otis is a fucking badass. And if you're caught laughing at the man he was, Kurt Angle will send him after you and make you regret it. So the vignettes have to end at some point. Uh, so when the time is right, you've got to get Otis back in the ring and book him like the monster he is. So the first thing you do is cut any and all possible ties to his previous gimmicks. So Tucky, sorry, buddy, but you got to go. Tucky's going to be the first victim of a, a new improved Otis Dozovich. So, and in fact, like the, very, the very first appearance of Otis Dozovich after his intense training videos is going to be in a tag team match with his heavy machinery buddy. Doesn't matter who it's against, say some uh, lower mid-card verging on jobber tag team, like Lucha House Party, why not? But when, like, <laughs> am I wrong? <laughs> uh, aren't they but, going for the 24-7 championship too? Maybe, probably. Like, I uh, know they might be. So, like, <laughs> but when, when heavy machinery make their entrance, like something has clearly changed. So, like Tucky, uh, Tucker Knight is his normal kind of enthusiastic self, but Otis, it, his eyes might as well be made of stone. Like he slowly walks down to the ring. He's focusing only on the ring. You got Kurt Angle at his side. Like he doesn't like. He doesn't like high five his partner. He doesn't do his usual kind of theatrics. Uh, you know, he just walks to the ring like completely expressionless. Like maybe have uh, Kurt Angle saying like things in his ear as he walks, like giving him tips about what to do and stuff like that, or hyping him up. The bell rings and you have Tucker Knight start the match. And, and for a while, it was a regular tag team match. Like 
That is until the hot tag, uh, where Tuggy tags Otis in, and oh my god, it is immediately noticeable how much Otis has changed. So, gone is the caterpillar uh, in the theatrical elbow drop, gone is him trying to get the fans pumped up, you know, in, in its place, fast takedowns, huge forearms, and like, in actual fact, there's no real hot tag to speak of, because within seconds... Otis has, uh, you know, Lindsay Dorado on the ground, like mounting him and laying forearm after forearm into his head, his jaw, his neck, his chest, uh, you know, everywhere, just beating the fuck out of him, basically. And, and it goes on for like an uncomfortable amount of time with the crowd, like, falling silent, like, in fact, or, or, or the video crowd, actually, if, because of COVID 19, like, because the fans are, are um, controlled, the, the, the audio levels of the fans are controlled by WGB, uh, they're in a unique position here where they can literally turn down the crowd noise completely to like accentuate the seriousness of the situation um you know the whole thunderdome kind of thing so i know it's just clubbing away constantly 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 just have fisted him soon enough the referee calls for the bell the match has been stopped officially due to ko uh, knockout but realistically because otis is a relentless fucking killer and and it doesn't stop him you've got the bell ringing in the background when he's still like pummeling away on poor lindsay dorado like you remember, you remember in the Attitude Era where, where the bell ringing in the background like consistently uh, made everything seem like a hundred times more chaotic, like you had the bell just going bam, 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 like that. So like, that's what you're doing here and like you've got Dorado's tag team partner, Grand Metal League, he's like clubbing away at the back of Otis, like trying to get him off. You've got Tucky trying to pull Otis off Dorado with, to no success. Uh, and you've got Kurt Angle standing in the corner of the ring, smirking, like, all the while where Otis is still elbowing and forearming his opponent. Tucky looks back to Kurt, who the cameras pick him up saying, hey fellas, he stops when he wants to. Eventually Otis stops. Dorado's taken out the ring by Metalik, which leaves Otis, Tucky and Angle in the ring. Tucky is, uh, you know, he's shocked, he's, he's utterly appalled, he can't believe what he's just seen his best friend do. Otis, meanwhile, is still expressionless. No, it's definitely not the Otis of old. He's not reacting in any way whatsoever to the situation. And, and Tucker Knight is pushing Otis, you know, and, and, and kind of like, you know, what the fuck was that kind of way. You know, it doesn't take long for Otis to snap from that. And now he's beating the shit out of Tucky. And like, it's a brutal beating, like perhaps even more than the one he gave to Rado. Like, make him do the full works, like, you know, take him out of the ring and like run him into the stairs, like take the ringside mats away and slam them into the concrete, like announcer's table, like, you know, ring post, everything you can think of. Um, well, Kurt Angle spills on in the corner. So, Otis Dozovich is beating seven shades of shit with his best friend, or a former best friend, Tucker Knights. Then you've got Otis back in the ring after the assault, and Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle with a microphone. So Kurt Angle addresses the audience in the WWE roster, and uh, I've written a wee promo from here. So Kurt Angle says... Ladies and gentlemen, I am Kurt Angle, and I would like to introduce you to the new Otis Dozovich. The Otis you knew is gone. The theatrics, the laughter, the tomfoolery are no more. What you see before you is an ice-cold killer who will not align himself with losers like you, Tucker Knight. The beating you've received tonight was given with a dose of mercy. Otis remembers the friendship you had, and I can tell that had him pulling his punches tonight. You know, obviously he's beating the fucking shit out of Tucker, but yeah, he's pulling his punches. But the beating Otis will give to the members of the WWE roster will show no freaking mercy whatsoever. WWE, be warned, for you stand within the line of fire, and you're about to be mowed down by the rocket launcher, which is Otis Dozovich. 
it's true it's damn true and uh, yeah hit the music kind of thing so so now you've got to send him on a rampage that like, you can't leave one shred of doubt that otis is the same man of like low-level intelligence you know who's frolicking around aimlessly with tucky and heavy machinery it, it needs a mission and i've got the perfect mission for him so calling back to remember remember how uh, otis lost in one-on-one matches to everybody he was in the money in the bank match with mm. well while Otis has been training and molding his character into, you know, a fucking beast, all of these men have actually received Universal Championship matches since it was deemed that they were better than the Money in the Bank briefcase holder and, like, maybe because of that alone should have won the Money in the Bank match if it wasn't for the fluke. Now, in this storyline, none of them succeeded and we still have Braun Strowman as the Universal Champion, but now you've got to properly showcase the new Otis. So, like, you've probably guessed it by now and, like, by the way, isn't booking easy when it makes sense. But yeah, we're, we're going to have Otis run through every single one of the men who he was in that Money in the Bank match with. Every single one of the men who beat him soon after when he wasn't using his amateur wrestling training and earned a title shot because of it. So you haven't run through everybody. So you get Otis versus Alistair Black. Alistair's trying his whole martial arts-based offense, but you know it's not working because every time he throws a kick or a punch, Otis grabs the limb and 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 gets Black on the ground in some form of submission. Otis beats Alistair Black. You get Otis versus Rey Mysterio. Mysterio tries all these high flying, high flying kind of offense, but Otis has such a strong base, uh, you know, low center of gravity that he can't be taken down by Hurricane Ramas, drop kicks, cross bodies, etc. Eventually, Otis just gets Rey in the ground, and he's too damn heavy for Rey to escape. So Otis beats Rey Mysterio. You've got Otis versus King Corbin. And like, yeah, fuck King Corbin. Like, he's treated like a jobber anyway. <laughs> Otis steamrolls him. Um, you know, he beats Corbin. Like, maybe, maybe Baron Corbin's a, a making kayfabe episode in the future, but he <laughs> ain't this week. Otis versus AJ Styles. He's kind of moving up the card here. So, like, this match, uh, it does test him a little bit more. And, uh, you know, what we're going to display here is Otis's cardio. Uh, I'd have Otis go a full kind of 20, 20, 25 minutes in Styles until eventually Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm, uh, kind of the springboard uh, forearm smash. But Otis dodges it, catches Styles by the arm and pulls him into some form of like armbar or Kimura. Otis beats AJ Styles. And finally, you have Otis versus Daniel Bryan. Otis is like final test, if you will. You know, this is the, the fifth out of fifth guy that he is facing after his new character kind of debuted. So, uh, and Daniel Bryan too has a very strong submission game. So, that's the match you have. I'd even like I'd put this in a pay per view, and I'd make it you know an ultimate submission match. You know, like the match with a thirty minute time limit where you've got like to, to make your opponent submit as many times as possible within that time. You know, gimmick matches create intrigue and when you strike they'll they'll you know be successful at uh you know elevating a wrestler which which is what will happen before this because he's going to beat a submission specialist in a submission based match this shit isn't hard oh it beats daniel bryan so like all the while during these matches as well you've got kurt angle at ringside kind of barking instructions at otis and like you know of course like kurt's faced every single type of wrestler there is you know in a 20-year career so he knows exactly what to expect especially against guys like styles and mysterio who, who he's wrestled before you know styles and impact and mysterio many times in wwe um one of my favorite matches of all time was um kurt angle and mysterio at summerslam so yeah there's a be fun fact but yeah 
he knows how to beat these wrestlers. He's, um, you know, he's invaluable to Otis at ringside. He's a perfect coach. But there you go. Like, Otis is a, you know, he's got his revenge on everybody who embarrassed him by defeating him from the Money in the Bank match. And it's not even revenge. Like, Otis is showcased that he is not, you know, old comedic Otis. Like, now you've got a killer. And, like, real talk, like, WWE hasn't had many guys like Otis in, like, a feature position. Like, to, to my knowledge, like, they haven't properly pushed a wrestler with this kind of low center of gravity and the weight that Otis does. Like, the guy's a fucking wrecking ball. He's a fridge. Like, he's a, he's a new threat to the WWE. And the scary thing is, he knows it. So, then you've got Otis Dozovich versus Braun Strowman match looming. So, Strowman's been dominant. He's been fending off challengers, you know, the aforementioned, he's beaten Styles, Black, Mysterio, Corbin and Bryan, who've all challenged him for the championship. And it's only a matter of time until Otis has reached his peak and, and he's going to challenge Braun for the Universal Championship. So so how do we how do we legitimise this feud and, and see Otis as a, as a real threat to Braun Strowman? So, like... Otis is not as tall as Braun. Like Otis is only five uh, ten. It's like five ten. I think I said five seven earlier. He's five ten. Uh, but Braun, meanwhile, uh, is verging on seven feet. Um, you know, he's billed at six foot eight, I believe. So, but I, let me tell you, like, we know now that it doesn't it doesn't matter what height Otis's opponent is when when they're on the ground, when they're on their back. You know, it doesn't come into it. Height doesn't come into it. And you've got Otis's like tree trunk arms around your waist and like a clinch. You know, and besides, there's plenty of exam- examples of wrestlers who have proven that you don't need height to be a successful brawler in any company. Like I'm thinking your boy Taz. I'm thinking Rhino. Um, you know, to take it a bit more to the recent day, Tomohiro Bishi from New Japan, who is uh, he is literally only five foot seven. But you know, fuck me, I don't know if you've seen any Ishii matches, but Ishii, sorry, uh, matches. His matches are absolutely wars. Like whether he's fighting somebody his own size or whether he's fighting you know somebody much taller like an Akada or a Moxley, you know. So, and and going back to Otis, like you know. You know what we're forgetting? You know the crucial thing we're forgetting that I intentionally didn't mention too many times in my pitch? The guy's got the fucking money in the bank briefcase. Like, he yeah. doesn't need to book a match against a healthy Braun Strowman. Like, no. He, he can come in full force, full strength, and ready for a fight while you've got Braun Strowman, like, exhausted after a 20-minute match. Like, even on a regular day, if you're, if you're going up against like Big Fridge Otis, you're not going to have an easy night. But if you're if you're exhausted, like gasping for air, and you see this mountain of a man running down the entrance ramp, like fresh as a daisy, focused on kicking your ass and taking your title, you know you've got a small boy's chance in hell of making it out alive, let alone with something like a Universal Championship, and like. And that's exactly what you do. You spend all these moments building Otis up as a silent killer with, you know, legendary Kurt Angle by say to, you know, give him some prestige. Otis is a guy who, once he has you in the mat, he makes you his victim. And then, whenever the hell you want, whenever you think he's ready, and it's time to pull the trigger on his main event run, you send him out there after a Universal Championship match to, to pick up the scraps. You know, and you can imagine like the audience's reaction when Otis's music hits and you've got a focused Kurt Angle shouting and screaming at Otis when he's making his way down to the ring, briefcase in hands. And that's it. That that's how you make Otis Dozovich a, a legitimate threat in WWE and, and how you could have made a million bucks out of the crappy storyline they did do with him. So yeah, that that's how you do it. That is how you legitimize Otis Dozovich in WWE. Well, it sounds like you really made some kayfabe right there. That's kayfabe has been made. You like. definitely did. I gotta say, you know, I like 
there's a lot going on in that storyline, mm. which I liked. You know, I liked um, what I really liked about that was the angle you did. Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> the angle of angle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did like that too. But the the bit where like right after he wins some money in the bank briefcase, he fights all the other guys in the match mm. and he loses and it shows you that he's not ready for it. Yeah. Like that's that's really clever, right? I, I think that's really clever. And the fact that, you know, he goes back to fight them all again and he beats them is smart storytelling. It's the way it should be. You know, the Kurt Angle thing makes sense. Because you know they're they're both amateur wrestlers. I I yeah. I mean it all ties together. It all makes sense, you know. And like yeah, you, you can actually see it happening as well. Because like mm. Otis like put him in a put him back in his like a, his amateur singlet or something, and just like you know, it's so easy to imagine a guy like that taking you down. Like a guy with that low center of gravity with that weight. Like I mean, I've I've done a bit of amateur wrestling myself, and like you know when you're going up against a much heavier guy, it's it's damn near impossible to get anything done. Um, you know, I wasn't exactly very good at amateur wrestling, but yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's impossible because it's a lot of weight on you. Like if if this if this guy gets you down to the ground, you're gonna have a very hard time pushing him off you because it's much harder to defend in amateur wrestling than it is to attack. So you know, when he's got his arms wrapped around you, like you're screwed. Like you can't move. Like you're just gonna get you're gonna exhaust yourself. You're gonna use up all your all your all your cardio, and that that's you done. And then it's easy for him to pull you into submission or like to to um you know to pin you or whatever. Whatever, whatever comes next so that is a uh, yeah that that is it's believable i think and it's something they should have done like if they're going to make a star out of him because like i don't think you're gonna as much as i do like comedy otis and like as much as i have kind of gravitated towards him as one of like i suppose one of my modern day kind of favorites and uh, just because he is hilarious and like that that um el, Gra- is el grande gordo we've done in raw recently which is quite funny but it, it's not a main event gimmick and um you know he needed something else and like i think he has something else i think he has that star quality he has that unique look he has that unique size he has you know clearly the ability to you know uh, appear legitimate on, on wdb tv and like if you put someone like kurt angle by his side you know that that helps legitimize him helps add prestige to his character and like it could have been done, man. It certainly could have been done, and it just wasn't. And like now, who knows what's happening with Otis Dozovich? Like, uh, not not much in TV as we are recording this. So he's twenty four seven championship. <laughs> Give it time, man. They're 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 planning something special for that guy. You I'm can, a, You can I, put I, your money on him. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bet here. Like, so by the end of the year, Otis Dozovich will win the twenty four seven championship. I I am certain of that. So this is this is November eleventh. Uh, so this is November second. Sorry, we're releasing this on the um, uh, on the tenth. So like by the end of the year, I I bet that Otis Dozovich will win the twenty four seven championship. He will become one of those geeks, and um, yeah, I, I'll be very I, sad. I predict that by the time this episode goes up. He will have won the twenty. Oh really? Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I've got to watch Raw this week. You really don't? <laughs> no, I don't. I can watch the highlights. <laughs> that is how you. Um, that's really how good. you make all those stories. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Really it's something. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, it's something I wanted to do for a while. Just um, now is the perfect time. Just after he's lost the briefcase, since you know it's clearly not going to happen anymore. So nope. me- making kayfabe, but. Uh, how do you how how do you feel about um, transcending into a part of the show we call Kayfabe Tombola? 
It's, it's that special time of the week where we dive into a little game called Kayfabe Tambola. In this game against the clock, I've come up with four random wrestlers and four uh, random scenarios. Uh, the wrestlers are numbered one to four and the scenarios are lettered A to D. So Dylan here, my good friend Dylan, hello Dylan, he will Hi. give me a number letter combination, so like a 1C or a 4B or a 3A, etc. And uh, with, with the matching wrestler and scenario, he will have six 60 seconds to come up with an entertaining storyline so and, and and mate i'm gonna be honest with you like I, i've outdone myself in this one <laughs> i have outdone myself i was so happy when i came up with this but oh. so there, there's some real fun stuff here man and like uh, some interesting things can, can come out of these choices so without further ado uh dylan tell me what, what is your number letter combination you've got for me i would like to go with 4B. <laughs> no, don't, don't do the evil laugh. Don't okay. do the no, no. I'm not going to give him that way. Uh, so, do you want to know who you could have had? Please. So, you could have had the big show. Mm-hmm. You didn't get the big show. What a shame. You could have had Big Daddy V. Oh, you didn't get Big Daddy V. <laughs> Thank you. You could have had, and I'm actually quite um, sad when you didn't get this one because you would have loved it. You could have got Kurgan. <laughs> but you didn't get him. Who you did get, and I fucking love this, you got the Great Kali. Uh... <laughs> so, for situations, who, what you could have had for situations is the Great Kali loses his memory and thinks he's Triple H. So, you've not got that. Oh, that would have been great. You could have had the great Kali hires a limo to take him to the arena, but then gets stuck inside the limo. You didn't get that. Mm-hmm. You could have had the great Kali becomes obsessed with trains and incorporates <laughs> this into his character. Oh, I wish I got that one, man. You didn't get that. Oh, dang it. You got the great Kali is cast as the mummy in the hit movie, The Mummy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's the easiest one. How's that? <laughs> if you can make if you make gold out of it, then yeah, go ahead. But I'm gonna get sixty seconds on the clock, so you have approximately five seconds to prepare yourself here. Good. Are you ready to go? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. So hold on, one minute, and uh, let's set that on our thingy here. So sixty seconds, one minute is on the clock, and I'm gonna count you down. You've got one minute to tell me all about the great Kali being cast as the mummy in the hit movie, The Mummy. Three, two, one, go. Well, WWE has like their WWE Studios kind of development thing. So WWE Studios, their film company, acquire the rights for The Mummy. So they're like, right, we can do this. Who could be our Brendan Fraser? I don't know, probably Stone Cold Steve Austin. That'll be fine. But we need a mummy, we need a villain to go up against. Who's really like imposing and tall, but also can't speak a lick of English? Oh, I know. <laughs> Great Kali, right? And uh, just wrap him up in bandages. Nobody will even know he's from India and not from Egypt. It doesn't fucking matter, right? <laughs> Stick him in. And he doesn't have to do anything because he's a mummy. The mummy just lies there and then sometimes comes to life. He's just like the big Kelly. It's perfect. So then Stone Cold Steve Austin comes in with his cowboy hat and he's like, I'm going to shoot this mummy because he doesn't know how mummies work. He's just going to shoot him. And then the Kelly is like, you know, but he's actually trying to speak English. And then um, Stone Cold Steve Austin shoots him in the eye. 
And then Vince McMahon like turns to the executives and goes, what do you think, pal? And the executives are like, no, this is the worst <laughs> film of all time. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> Time's up. Like, that actually, like, it I was thinking about this as, as you were going into that. Like, The Great Khali is a movie star, right? It is like a... In Hollywood, I think, right? It, it, no, he was in... Um, uh, maybe, actually. But he, was, whoa, whoa, whoa. he was in like um, one of those... I think it was called The Longest Yard. Yes, right? Ab Sandler. Yeah, have it was. You, have you seen that film? I have. Okay, do you know what he did in that film? Uh... <sighs> killed a guy or something i can't remember yeah, that's like, real that was real life <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that, he actually did do that in real life shit <laughs> that was a poor t.s bryce i can't believe that no he's just like an extra fucking football player guy so he just does nothing he's kind of stands around and he just looks, looks imposing so i'm like well he'd yeah. be perfect for the mummy yeah <laughs> there we go so that, that I, wouldn't, is... I wouldn't call him a fucking film star by any means yeah i mean he's been in yeah. films he's like... in the background of some fucking yeah <laughs> Just stand there and look scary is basically his role. Like, Kurg- Kurgan is more of a star. Than... Kurgan's in um, Sherlock Holmes, right? Exactly. Punchy knocked out Robert Downey Jr. In real life, yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I, I love Kurgan. Like, I don't know how many people listening to this remember Kurgan because he was around for a short time, but... We like, remember. We remember Kurgan. We remember. And he was a scary dude. Like, we'll never forget. We'll never forget Kurgan. Ah. Uh, yeah, uh, I was gonna say R.I.P., but he's not dead. He's just he's just not. <laughs> 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 but anyway, like that was Kayfabe Tambola, and um, yeah, another another episodes in the bag. So that's a uh, that's fifteen episodes now. Like, did you know that? F- fifteen weeks of Kayfabe. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, think of all the shape we must have sprafed. <laughs> but but yeah, if you have joined us for the first time and to learn about Otis in the Bank and how it should have turned out, you know, then going by what I said, there's another 14 episodes in our back catalogue that you could download and listen to right now. In season two, we've already got rebookings on the Vince McMahon limo explosion, the AEW women's division, uh, Kane's unmasking in 2003, Sean O'Hare, Mordecai and the Sandman. And season one has even more. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Making Kayfabe. You can also email us on your emails. <laughs> you can find us at Making Kayfabe. What do you email on? Like your phone? Like, phone you can find right. us at Making Kayfabe at gmail.com. Uh, tweet us, email us. We'd love to hear from you. Get involved in our Twitter account. Uh, we've often got cool kind of discussions going on there and, and nice little polls you can get you can get involved in. Uh, our most recent one um, as a recording of this episode was who is the uh, most underrated spooky superstar in WWE history, which was won by Papa Shango, believe it or not. So there you go. Um, but yeah, many of us just suggestions being um, uh, brought up by our by our listeners, which is awesome. Uh, got Gangrel thrown in there. We got um, Kevin Farmer thrown in there as well. Like so, two vampires and um, you know. But not viscera, but scary you know, shit, man. Scary. Imagine you like there's knock on your door and you go to open the door, like I wonder who this could be. This viscera is just standing there. He can't even fit through the fucking door. And you're like, oh Jesus <laughs> Christ! You're safe because you can't fit through the door. Right? These giant, well, these giant fucking tits are in your face. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> That's the third episode in the room we've like talked about Mr. Test. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Look in your face. You can't. You can't ignore him. I was editing. I was editing the last episode. Uh, the Sandman, and like we talk about them there, and I think we mentioned them briefly in, in the Mordecai episode as well. Like um, yeah. they're, they're becoming their own, like um, their own part of the show. But, <laughs> but 
Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, uh, let's not make it four. But uh, if you haven't already, um, please go and rate our review. Uh, sorry, please go and rate and review our show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. You know, it will take a minute of your time, and it does mean the world to us. Uh, it really helps our podcast grow, which is what we try to do. Um, aside of having fun as well, which we are. It's, it's a it's good fun doing these episodes. And um, but until then. I'm Bryce, he's Dylan, and collectively we are making kayfabe, and thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Fuck the news. Uh. <laughs>